Big thanks to eBay for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Passion, drive, patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. We're talking superchargers, turbos, exhaust kits, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need for the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. October 6, 1973 at Watkins Glen International Speedway began as a beautiful day for racing. The iconic upstate New York circuit roared with action as the best drivers in the world practiced for the final showdown of the Formula One season. Jackie Stewart was one of those elite drivers. Already a living legend, Stewart had the season championship clinched for the third time in five years, and Sunday was going to mark the Flying Scots' 100th career Formula One start. And this historic milestone would be followed by another in Jackie's life he had decided to retire at the peak of his career right after his 100th race. Jackie Stewart's Tyrell racing teammate was a 29-year-old Frenchman by the name of Francois Severt. Extremely fond of the talented driver, Stewart credited Francois's supportive driving as a major factor in his success that season and was eager to hand him the reins of the team upon his retirement. Severt claimed his lone F1 career victory at Watkins Glen two years earlier, so his familiarity with the track was sufficient to say the least. He was also supremely confident behind the wheel of his Ford-powered Tyrell car, so much so that on that autumn day, the fearless Francois looked to gain a fraction of a second by shifting from third to fourth gear while navigating the S's, an uphill right-left turn section of the track. But as was the case with so many drivers of his generation, fate had different plans. In the blink of an eye, Severe's car clipped the left curb and swerved head-on into the opposite guardrail, killing him instantly. Few other moments in Jackie Stewart's life contain such a searing intersection of his on-track legacy, his endless love for competition, 
and most importantly, his profound compassion for his fellow man. How did Jackie respond to his teammate's death? After 27 Grand Prix wins and three world championships, did it change the way he viewed the sport he loved so much? And how did Jackie become even more influential in motorsport after he retired? Let's find out. Today on Pass Gas, our look at the one and only Jackie Stewart. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. This is a name you hear all the time. Uh, if you're familiar with racing at all, you've definitely heard Jackie Stewart. And I'm really excited to dig in and figure out why. Yeah. First impressions, even though I know a bit about him. I love that he goes by Jackie and not just Jack. Oh, yeah. You know? I was saying yesterday that Jack is one of the best names available. It's a yeah. top fiver for sure. For sure. My name's Jack. I'd say about 80% of mob movies have an Uncle Jackie that's like the <laughs> coolest guy in the movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so to get, to have like the coolest name on the planet, Jack. Yeah. And then be like, let's cuten it up a little bit. Yeah. Let's soften a yeah. little bit. I'm not taking myself too seriously. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jackie. Jackie. Yeah. yeah. Sick. Yeah. I sometimes regret that I didn't decide to go by Jamie. Jamie? Yeah. Mm. Jamie's are hot. Jamie Pumphrey. I don't know if you can go from James to Jamie. Can you? Yeah, you can. Of course you can. You have to be born a Jamie. No. no. It's a nickname. Hey, Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> We'd have Jamie, Jimmy, Joby. <laughs> <laughs> my sister calls me Jamie. Job got mad the other day that someone said my name and he thought they were saying his Didn't name. He didn't get actually mad. And so now he's calling for me to get a nickname so that he doesn't get confused. I support it. Uh, that's what? my name. That's it's his Joe. last name. No. You could, he's the only Zach right now. I know, but he's Job. Dude. I'm just saying, I've had to deal with people yelling Job across the office for th- three, four years Well, now. when he first got here, we called him Zohio. Zohio. <laughs> His name's still Zohio on my phone. What if I start calling you Jackie? What's your middle name? Gordon. Just Gordon? like Joseph. Gordon? Joseph Gordon. Gordo! Gordo, baby! <laughs> All right, we found a Gordon. <laughs> no, man. I'm yeah, just I'm happy not, that no, Zach won't get confused anymore. And no. he's Job. What about, can I be go? Like, go? Like, no, Joe, that's but just spelled as with a confusing. G. <laughs> Listen, I got to side with the Jobs. Really? I have You're to. You're going to do him like that? Got to. I don't know, man. That's Joe's Sorry, name. guys. Well, if you guys, because I, I can't, Nick, I Jackie can't come up Weber. with a nickname for myself. All right. Nolan Sykes, James Pumphrey, and Jackie Weber. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to Pass Gas. Or if this is your first time to the show, welcome. My name is Nolan Sykes. Uh, I'm joined with my co-hosts, as always. We got James, P- Jamie Pumphrey. Yeah, give, give me back, back my son. <laughs> and Jackie Weber. Jack it up. <laughs> yeah, dude. See, it's it's good. <laughs> it's solid, dude. It's like, it's a, it's a stage name. Like, Jack Black's name isn't Jack Black. It's Thomas. What? It's Thomas Black. And now I'm just reading hmm. Jackie Stewart's real name is John. There so. we go. Okay. All right. I'm Jackie Weber. Now. My dad wanted to name me Jethro. That's awesome. I know. That'd be crazy, and if my yeah. mom would have let him, I swear to God, I wouldn't be here with you guys. I'd be Star Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so your dad is God? Uh, no, I would be playing. I would be part of the Marvel Universe. If like I moved to LA when I was nineteen, like yeah. I did, and like I was like, oh yeah, my name's Jethro Pumphrey. Mm-hmm. They'd That'd be like, be all right, A list. Yeah, you go over in this line. Yeah, versus hey, like here's I was a little superhero, show. and your superpowers, you have guns. Yeah, they were like, hey. 
uh, we're thinking about making a million movies. <laughs> yeah. You can be in one. All right. Here we go. Let's talk about Jackie Stewart. John Jackie Stewart was born on June 11th, 1939 in Dumbartonshire, Scotland. Dumbartonshire. Dumberton. Dump it in Shire. Dumbartonshire, Scotland. Dumbartonshire. It's like a Gandalf joke. Dumb. It's like a joke Gandalf would make. Yeah. <laughs> Dumbartonshire. His father, Bob, owned a successful Jaguar dealership and mechanic business where his love for automobiles couldn't help but wear off on little Jackie and his older brother, Jimmy. Jimmy and Jackie. Jimmy and Jackie. These are my, these are my sons. These are my sons. We grew up, we grew up in Dumbartonshire. These are my sons. <laughs> Jimmy and Jackie. They're my star ponies. <laughs> Jimmy, who was eight years older than Jackie, was actually the first Stewart to make a name for himself as a racer when he drove for Yukili Ikos in the 1950s. He showed significant promise, running as high as sixth in his lone F1 race, the 1953 British Grand Prix, before he crashed out. Unfortunately, injuries Jimmy suffered at Le Mans and then again at the Nürburgring forced him into retirement and he returned his focus to the family business. While Jimmy was living his racing dream, Jackie was living a nightmare. He suffered from severe dyslexia, an affliction that wasn't understood at the time, and teachers and peers at school would mock the young boy from not being able to read the simplest text. The constant beratement became more than Jackie could take, so at the age of 15, he quit school entirely and began to work as an apprentice in his father's shop. Hey, what's wrong with this lad? What's wrong with this lad? He reads all the sheep shut backwards. <laughs> I don't understand what he's doing. He says that he wants to do boxing, <laughs> not belly. <laughs> he's backwards. <laughs> Elliot Billy over here. Finally free from his scholastic misery, Jackie was determined to succeed, later saying, quote, when you've got dyslexia and you found something you're good at, you put more into it than anyone else. So you sometimes can be considerably better at what you latch on to than anyone else. Makes sense. Jackie wanted to race, but because of Jimmy's injuries, Papa Bob and their mom, Jeannie, discouraged him from getting behind the wheel. Plus, he like, could only drive backwards. <laughs> Instead, he opted for the outdoors, clay pigeon shooting to be specific, and quickly discovered that he had tremendous natural talent. Listen, I feel for the frustration of being dyslexic, but like Jeremiah's dyslexic and he's super successful and outwardly There's different very smart. degrees of it though. Like it, it might be a severe case. Jeremiah dresses like crisscross. <laughs> That's not how <laughs> dyslexia works. <laughs> I think we need to <laughs> do a little research. Uh, <laughs> he eats breakfast at night and dinner in the this, morning. That's not what it is. That's not. It's not what it is. You're thinking of Bizarro, Bizarro Jer Jeremiah. <laughs> he says hello when he leaves and goodbye when he shows okay, up. Okay, we gotta move on from this. Jackie's likes you. Jackie's skills were so impressive that he eventually became a member of the Scottish national team. By 1960, he had claimed two national shooting titles and was even considered to represent the UK at the Summer Olympics, but just missed the cut. Nevertheless, the ambitious 21-year-old wouldn't have to wait long before destiny would offer him another chance at stardom. Regardless of his talent with a blammy, Jackie knew <laughs> that he was a racer at heart. But the Scot didn't want to disappoint his mother, who was still very much against the idea of her son driving a car for a living. 
Eventually, Jackie realized that his passion for the sport had grown too strong. As he described later in life, when I climb into a racing car, it's it's like a guy being given an injection. Oh, the pain, everything disappears. You got a little bit of Russian in your scotch. Yeah, I'll say he got like a little Celtic there. Yeah. yeah. To not worry his mom, Stuart entered races under a fake name. Mm. A.N. Other. She'll never find out that way. <laughs> That's a sick name. Yeah. A.N. Other. It sounds like the, the lead singer for like... From like uh, uh, Coal Chamber or some yeah. other new metal band from uh-huh. the late 90s. He cut his teeth at Charter Hall, the famed old airfield circuit in the Scottish borders, where drivers such as Ron Flockhart, Inns Ireland, and Jim Clark also got their start. Inns Ireland sounds like a sick producer name. Innes? Innes. Innes Ireland. Innes Ireland? Yeah. That's tight. Jackie, a.k.a. A.N. Other, quickly garnered (laughs) so much attention that he had to either quit or reveal his identity. Hey, I don't think this guy's name is real. It's like... If my name was A. Leon. <laughs> uh, what's your name? Uh, fake, not me. <laughs> Word quickly spread that Bob Stewart had another son with racing potential. In 1961, a wealthy local named Barry Filer, owner of an Aston Martin DB4 GT, Marcos GT, and a Jaguar E-Type, Sounds staggered cool. into the shop and invited the 22-year-old Jackie to test drive and see if he could match Brother Jimmy's lap times. That also sounds like a fake name. Barry Filer. Like, yeah. oh, the blueberries go here and the raspberries <laughs> go here. <laughs> <laughs> to put it lightly, Jackie torched him, which led to his first gigs as a paid club racer. Stewart won several Scottish races that year. Nice. Jackie's regional success, along with an impressive stint with Jimmy's old boss, Akuri Okos, caught the attention of British Formula 3's Ken Tyrell. F3 Cooper BMC that Stewart tested for Tyrell was previously driven by future icon Bruce McLaren, but Jackie laid down even faster lad times than the mighty Bruce, and Tyrell promptly signed him. The almighty Bruce. There's a wasted opportunity right there. <laughs> Bruce Almighty. Yeah. The mighty Bruce. Is like a spinoff of Mighty Boosh. <laughs> Whoa, that's a crossover I want to see. <laughs> Stewart won his F3 debut at Snetterton. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Snetterton. By a whopping 44 seconds, which set the tone for a startlingly dominant season. Actually, dominant may be an understatement. Jackie won seven out of the ten races and claimed the 64 BARC championship with ease. His celebrity rapidly rising, Stewart was actually offered an F1 seat with Cooper after his fantastic F3 premiere, but the 25-year-old declined because he felt like he hadn't enough experience. I feel like back at that time, you have to be aware that those F1 cars are, like, insane, right? Yeah. Like, so, you know, you might look back on and be like, come on, man, like, it's, it's an F1 yeah, drive. It's like, already won, like, no, three championships. Yeah, it's like, like, you know that the, like... You know there's a chance that if you don't have enough experience, you could die. Right, yeah. yeah. It's like, hey, you want to ride this giant snake? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I'll just, I'll practice on these littler snakes. Come on, man. It's made of <laughs> knives. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty mature for a 25-year-old yeah, to be able to recognize that. He did, however, take a shot at Formula 2 in July of 1964, finishing second in Ron Harris's Semi-Works Lotus 32 Cosworth at Clement Ferrand. Nice. 
Other impressive F2 finishes came at Zolder and Ulton Park before winning the Vanawal Trophy back at Snatterton. Love Snatterton. This is like Harry Potter. Language. Yeah, it's like all fake. Now. I love, no, Alton Park is one of my favorite tracks in iRacing. It's a cool, really? I would love to drive it someday. We used to, I went to a Catholic all boys school mm-hmm. and our detention was called Jug. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Justice under God. Um, oh God. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, and we would just have to write stuff over and over. And one day, uh, not one day, but like a bunch of days, I went to Jug a lot and we had to write just Harry Potter words. So they were like, just like fake words. So we couldn't like memorize them. Oh wow! Yeah. Do you feel that justice was served to God? Yeah. Thank. Yeah. Thank. Yeah, I like, appreciate it. Finally, my my boy wrote all those words out. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh my god! Uh, thank God. I mean, thank me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank me that he wrote yeah. all those words for not wearing a belt. Peter, put him back on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie's Formula One debut finally came at the end of his stellar 1964 season when his hero and fellow Scott, Jim Clark, was injured and needed a replacement for the non-championship Rand GP at Kailami. South Africa. South Africa. Jackie didn't place, but his undeniable potential was on full display as he drove his Lotus from the back of the pack and won the second heat. Sick. Sick. Seek. Seek. Can you do an accent like a Scot that's been living in South Africa for five years? <laughs> Eating my belly. <laughs> Just a little bit more nasally. <laughs> Eating my belly. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. Big thanks to eBay for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Passion. Drive. Patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. We're talking superchargers, turbos, exhaust kits, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need for the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With his head-turning performance at Kailame, Stewart proved to himself that he was ready for Formula One. His drive was also more than enough for BRM to offer him a seat in the 1965 World Championship season. Jackie wasted no time in making an immediate impact. Teamed with Englishman Graham Hill, Stewart's rookie season began in South Africa, where he finished sixth. Next, he claimed second in the race of champions and then won both at Brands Hatch and Silverstone. He found himself on the podium after four of the next five Grand Prix, including second place finishes in Belgium, France, and Holland. Stewart went on to win the Italian Grand Prix and finished his spectacular rookie season in third place in the World Championship behind Graham Hill and the unstoppable Jim Clark. Jackie's momentum. We need to cover Jim Clark at some point. Okay. Yeah. Jack- and Graham Hill too. Right? And Graham Hill and all okay. these all these guys. Graham Hill is what I get on my belly when I'm laying on the couch eating too many Graham crackers. crackers. Yeah. I love Graham Hill's song. And they are just walking around. They can't even find each other. (laughs) Jackie's momentum carried over into 66 when he started the year by claiming the Tasman Cup with wins at Wigram, Teratonga, Sandown Park, and Longford. That's a lot of tracks on Tasmania, I imagine. When it came time for the World Championship circuit, his success continued with a victory at the Monaco Grand Prix. A week later, Stewart was driving in the Indianapolis 500. This dude's a globe trotter, man. Globe trotter, man. Honestly, if there's one thing I can say about Jackie Stewart is he clocks the drobes. <laughs> clocks the drobes. Are you dyslexic? <laughs> Behind the wheel of John Meekham's Bose Sealfast Lola T90 Ford. That's a mouthful. Stewart turned in a fantastic performance and led the race with only eight laps left to go. But he suddenly lost oil pressure and puttered across the finish line in sixth place. Not That's bad. That's pretty good. He claimed Rookie of the Year honors, but unfortunately, the bad luck at Indy was a preview of what was to come for the rest of his 66 season. Back in Europe, Stewart suffered the worst crash of his nine-year F1 career on June 12th at Spa. Ripping along at nearly 170 miles per hour in terrible visibility, Jackie lost control of his BRM at the notorious right-hand turn, the Master Kink. That's what it's really called. Master Kink is also in a new metal band. Master Kink is in the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's Fear Factory uh, right there with uh, shit, the guy from Static X, Wayne Static. Rest in peace, Wayne Static. Rest in peace, Wayne Static. They have a new guy. Like, you know, like he used to wear a mask. Like Wayne Static had the hair and would wear like a mask over it, like a clear mask over his face, right? Like to like obscure his identity. Okay. Wayne Static passed away. Uh-huh. Now they have a new guy in the band mm-hmm. who they dress up to look like Wayne Static. Dude, Very that happened strange. with Guar too, but it's much easier with Guar because yeah. they wear, wear a lot of prosthetics. But like they're pretending that it's Wayne Static, which oh, is very That's strange. like uh, MF like, Doom did that too. Did he? he had, I mean, before he passed away, he would get sick of doing shows uh-huh. and he would send like Fat guys out with masks <laughs> to go do his shows. That's right. I would do that. <laughs> it would be funny if, like, next week we just adopted an entire, like, new persona for the channel where all of us wear masks and, like, like Slipknot. 
yeah, yeah just nah. on, on the podcast too because it's audio only. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For more than twenty years, still dangling upside down in his nigga's <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, I only like Sublime with Rome. <laughs> That's my only band I like. Sublime with Rome. Uh, yeah. So anyway, back at the Master Kink, he crashed. As Stuart put it, quote, First, I hit a telephone pole and then a woodcutter's cottage. And I finished up on in the outside basement of a farm building. Car ended up shaped like a banana. And I was still trapped inside it. Can. Normally, I'd like to be in a banana, but not in this case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd find you on an island in a banana. <laughs> be really fun, you know? But not in this case. Ha, ha, ha. That's what the quote says. There's a lot of, yeah, it's weird. Like 17, ha, 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 a lot of clarification. Ha, 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 ha. I'd love to be on vacation, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm at work. <laughs> I cannot go on vacation. <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> so Normally, bad. I'd love to be knee deep in a banana when I'm on vacation, but not when I'm at work. <sighs> For more than 20 minutes, Stuart dangled up inside, upside down in his mangled Ford. I was upside down and listen, I'd love to be upside down <laughs> at Margaritaville in Florida. <laughs> not the case. <laughs> but not the case here. I'm at work. The first person on the scene was teammate Graham Hill, who found Stuart dazed and drenched in fuel. Hill wrestled Jackie, <laughs> just that, just wrestled him, <laughs> wrestled Jackie out of the debris with the help of Bob Bondurant, another racer who had also crashed nearby due to the weather. A janky ambulance ride later, Stuart found himself alone and lying on the ground in a tent, waiting for medical help to arrive. Quote, <laughs> there were no doctors, Stuart recalled. I was left on a stretcher on the floor surrounded by cigarette butts. It was filthy, and I like to get filthy on vacation. <laughs> but here I am at work, and I'm filthy. Not my idea of a vacation, that's for sure. Stuart didn't need this accident to remind him of the dangers of his profession, but it did spark new questions. Did we really have to risk death every single time we crash? Can't we do something to make this sport safer? Despite the gnawing mental and physical after effects of the crash, Stewart was back on the track within a month. But the races he missed set him too far back for title contention, and he finished his second season in seventh place. Better than Ricardo. Oh, people. Poor guy. Yeah. Graham Hill jumped ship for Lotus that offseason. So 1967 was Stewart's first year as the undisputed leader of the BRM team. However, their new car, the P83, included an unreliable 3,000cc H16 engine, and second in Belgium and third in France were the only finishes Stewart could muster the entire Damn. Grand Prix season, which would turn out to be his last with BRM. He went DNF in every race except for two. Mm -hmm. H16 is not the layout of the engine, right? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's an H pattern. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and some in the middle, too. <laughs> A silver lining of 1967 was that Stewart found success in several F2 races when he reunited with Ken Tyrell. Driving a Matra MS7 Cosworth, Jackie claimed victory at Karlskova, Anna Pergusa, and Albi, and also finished second place at the Brands Hatch Six Hours, racing for Scuderia Ferrari in a 330p4. Nice. That thing's sick. On the heels of their immediate F2 success, Tyrell and Stewart brought their soon-to-be historic partnership to the F1 circuit in 1968. 
The newly christened Matra international team began the season hampered, however, as Jackie suffered a nasty wrist injury in an F2 race at Yamara. Despite the shaky start, Jackie would eventually claim victory seven races into the season when he took the Dutch GP. I can't race very good. My wrist hurts. It hurts. Hurts. <laughs> My wrist, it hurts. The next race at the Nürburgring, Jackie was untouchable, finishing over four minutes ahead of the rest of the field. He rode this momentum across the pond and won the United States GP at Watkins Glen, then entered the final round of the season at Mexico City, only three points behind his old teammate, Graham Hill. It's Graham Hill. (laughs) Stewart led early in Mexico, but problems with his fuel pump resulted in a lapped seventh and a runner-up finish in the final standings. In 1969, Jackie raced his Matra MS-80 on a completely different level. In fact, the only GP he hadn't won after the first six races was Monte Carlo. Jackie began the season with victories in the South African GP and the Race of Champions, and then went on to finish second at the Nürburgring and clinched his first world title with a win at the Italian Grand Prix. Stewart's 1969 championship not only solidified his rock star status on the track, but because of his infectious passion and charisma. He instantly became the new face of the sport and the first real global superstar of F1. Stewart and the renamed Terrell Racing Organization began their title defense with Jackie finishing third in South Africa, then winning the race of champions again, although that doesn't really count towards F1 points, and then the Spanish Grand Prix. He bounced back from retired outings in Monaco and at Spa-Francorchamps to claim second place finishes in Holland and Italy, but near the end of the season, the team introduced the Derek Gardner-designed V12-powered Terrell 001. Jackie proved that the 001 was fast and even qualified on the front row in the last three Grand Prix of the year. But the new engine was unreliable, and he had to retire before the end of each race. Jackie finished the year in fifth place. I want to hear this, V12. Well, it goes like this. Beep! <laughs> me, 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 me. Is it like small displacement? Why is it so high? Sounds like a mosquito when you do that. Whoa, it must be a short circuit. (laughs) (laughs) The next season, car problems were no longer an issue. Stewart's Terrell 003 Ford won six times in 1971, and with three races to spare, he claimed his second world championship. This was also his first season with teammate Francois Sauveur. Sever won the United States Grand Prix that season at Watkins Glen, as we mentioned in the intro, and helped to clinch the constructors' title for Terrell at their first attempt. Oh, let's let's race at Glen Watkins. <laughs> let's race at Glen Watkins. Oh, oh, I said it backwards, didn't he? Jockey, you punts. <laughs> Behind the wheel of the third generation Terrell 005, Jackie began 1972 with a victory in Argentina, but missed the Belgian Grand Prix because of a vicious stomach ulcer. Hey. Oh, my tummy hurts. I'm shitting blood. <laughs> oh, Upon his return, he won the French Grand Prix and again in Quebec and at Watkins Glen. But his late season surge wasn't enough to catch Brazilian up-and-comer Emerson Fittipalde, who already had the championship clinched. A lot of clinching going on. Yeah, when they're racing. Yep. Clinching their buttholes. Stuart, in today's high-low, when Job is like, I've got a tight circle. 
<laughs> so funny. Stuart and Fittipaldi's battles continued into 1973. Fittipaldi began the year with wins in both Argentina and Brazil, but Stuart took three checkered flags in the next four races. Jackie then won his record-setting 26th career Grand Prix in the 10th round of the season at Zandvoort and extended the record to 27 with the victory at the Nürburgring, where teammate Francois Sever finished second. After a runner-up finish in Austria, Stuart clinched the season title with a fourth-place finish at Monza. With his third world championship locked, the 34-year-old Stuart told Terrell and his young teammate Francois that the final race of the year, his 100th career start, would be his last. But when the dust from Severe's crash at Watkins Glen that weekend finally settled, any celebratory optimism instantly vanished. Francois Severe was dead. The impact from his crash, so shockingly powerful, his body was severed in two. Jesus Christ. Uh, and Jackie Stewart, his mentor and championship teammate, was among those most devastated. Jackie later said, quote, I was so distraught and disgusted by the destructiveness of the accident. The whole team was dreadfully affected by it. The next day, in honor of his fallen comrade, Stewart chose not to participate in what would have been his 100th career race and retired from his beloved sport, a heartbroken legend. Wow. So he retired after his 99th race? Yeah. Cool. That's sad, dude. It's sad that his uh, teammate crashed. It seemed like they were like a good good fit. They pushed each other. I'm glad I didn't have to read that death. It's the first time ever. That was pretty, pretty gruesome. We'll get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. As soon as he hung up his helmet, Stewart shifted his focus to driver safety. Beyond the shock of Francois's death, Jackie was still haunted by his horrible crash in Belgium in 1966, saying, After Spa, I realized just how dangerous racing really was. The danger hit me. It came too close to home. It was then that I decided to do something to try and make the sport safer. The carnage of Stewart's era is genuinely draw-dropping. F1 drivers at the time had over a 60% chance of dying on the track. Among other devastating statistics, a third of the drivers who started the 1966 Belgian Grand Prix died in accidents over the next five seasons. Jesus. And on a personal note, in 1968, just after they'd become Tyrell teammates, Jackie's hero, Jim Clark, died in an F2 crash at Hockenheim. Later in 1970, Stewart lost two more close friends to crashes, Piers Courage, that's a sick name, and Jochen Rint. Jochen Rint had that sick the skull helmet. helmet yeah. yeah, that's like the sickest helmet ever. Yeah. Imagine an 11 year window of time when you lose 57. I repeat, 57 friends and colleagues doing exactly what you do. That's insane. I've only lost 52 mm -hmm. fellow YouTubers. Stuart wrote in his autobiography, Winning is Not Enough. 
I didn't have to imagine. I lived through it to be a racing driver between 1963 and 1973 was to accept the probability of death. The Scottish accent is really fun until you have to start reading really serious things. They're all fun until you read serious stuff. Yeah. So I start like doing like the Enzo Ferrari, Mario voice, and yeah. then you start talking about dead people, and then you're like, I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but for this one, I'm just picturing myself being um, Rob Stark. Oh. Um, I am how Stark. I am going to be king. <laughs> <laughs> Insane as it may sound, Jackie's initial attempts at improving safety standards were met with significant preserve the culture oh opposition throughout the racing community. I mean, it's the same like same thing with like the Halo and stuff. Stewart, however, I mean, old white guys love to say stuff's more entertaining if it's more dangerous for other people to do it. Oh, you're ruining the sport because it's safer for you to do it. They're like the same people who would like watch gladiators. I mean, gladiators are sick. Are you talking about American gladiators? No, like actual gladiators. And oh. Uh, yeah. Let's make this slave fight a lion. Yeah. yeah Things yeah. were better when slaves got ate by lions. <laughs> yeah. I remember we used to fill this whole thing with water and stage ship battles with slaves. Yeah. Isn't that insane? No one said anything that? back then. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's a snowflake. <laughs> a third of the people die. <laughs> yeah, a third of the people that started in one race died over the next five years and be like, eh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What they gotta wear a Hans device now? Come on. Oh, they're gonna wear helmets and have seatbelts now, boo hoo. The only people that like get to say like that's you know, they knew what they were signing up for. Like it's really the drivers are the only ones who get to say that. And you know, when there's even crashes nowadays, like when uh Joe Guan Yu like crashed at Silverstone, like he almost died. Mm-hmm. But the engineering safety kept him alive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I he I don't know if he said it, but like they're you know, there's always that element of danger, but you want to make it, make so it no- as safe as uh, yeah, possible. Yeah, so nobody dies. Stewart, however, remained vigilant and eventually influenced everything from full face helmets to the elite Grand Prix medical units that are still used today. Huh? Equally as impressive, Jackie had a hand in making the racetracks themselves much safer. He has said, We were racing at circuits where there were no crash barriers in front of the pits and fuel was lying about in churns in the pit lane <laughs> a car could easily crash into the pits at any time it was ridiculous get in my belly he passionately argued for improved safety barriers and larger runoff areas changes that have no doubt saved the lives of both drivers spectators and crew it is insane to watch like old f1 footage and watch the crowd standing super close to track with nothing protecting them but like some stakes in the ground yeah. with rope Dangled on top. <laughs> the other yeah. rope is yeah. a great safety feature. Everything back in the day was so dangerous. When he wasn't improving the future of driver safety, the charismatic Wee Scott was busy promoting F1 racing and helping to transform it into a global television spectacle. He was a one-of-a-kind TV commentator who could explain the intricacies of the sport like no one else had before. Guess how tall he is. Six. Five. Five. Five, five four. He is a Wee Scott. He's a Wee lad. Stewart had also been a spokesman for companies such as Rolex and Ford for several decades, and his social circles consisted of powerful politicians and celebrities. In contrast to the playboy reputation of many elite racers, Stewart has always been a one-woman man. He and his wife of 60 years, Helen, 60 years. 
have had two sons, Paul and Mark, and Jackie even took his turn as a racing team owner while Paul competed in the lower ranks. Hmm. I haven't even been friends with you guys for 60 years. I know. I'm already sick of you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Even though Paul... That's really mean. (laughs) (laughs) That's really mean. It made me feel really bad. It was kind of a first draft joke. Yeah. I don't think we joke like that. (laughs) (laughs) Even though Paul's racing career was short-lived, Jackie lovingly named his team Paul Stewart Racing. And the tune... The tune soon boom. The team <laughs> soon became a perennial powerhouse in the junior categories. They won six British F3 championships between 1992 and 98 and graduated to F1 in 97. Powered by Jackie's decades long racing partner, the Ford Motor Company, the Stewart Grand Prix competed for three seasons, the last of which played out like a movie as they finished 1 3 at the 1999 European Grand Prix at the Nürburgring. The Stewarts then sold the team to Ford. And after a few volatile years with Jaguar, it was eventually acquired by the soon-to-be legendary Red Bull. I was going to say, 2005. This is uh, I wrote the Red Bull episode of Up to Speed, and this is when Christian Horner jumped in, snagged it. Christian Horner, he horned in on that pretty quickly. (laughs) My, like, where did you get all these scars? (laughs) (laughs) You know. Yeah, Christian Horner is the Joker. (laughs) Stewart's passion for racing may only be eclipsed by his passion to make the world a better place for people who read backwards. (laughs) What do you think dyslexia is? (laughs) You say Happy New Year on December 1st. What? That's That's not even the opposite. (laughs) You say Merry Christmas on January 25th? Yeah. Oh, Jan- oh, January. <laughs> say happy Valentine's Day on Halloween. <laughs> For some, Halloween is quite a romantic holiday. Yeah, fucking nerds. Yeah. Well, hey, Weird goth okay, people. Yeah, it's fun. It's a good time. <laughs> I miss Halloween on Blake. I remember Halloween. My old Halloween. boss. My old boss uh, was a new metal guy, and he was. His favorite band was Avenged Sevenfold. And he, no. before I left, he was planning his wedding to be uh, Jack Skellington. Themed. No. He who makes a beast out of himself gets the, rid of the pain of being a man. Avenged, Seven, Avenged, Avenged Sevenfold is probably Some a better country. band than their like, fans allow you to think they are. You like them? I think they have I some really good songs. Yeah, they I think they're really good songs. But they're musically very technically. They're like, yeah. I think they're like the Guns N' Roses of like the mid 2000s. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Axl Rose in a uh, Lil John song? <laughs> I meant it to be Lil John, but it came out like Axl Rose. But yeah, I think Avenged Sevenfold is a way better band than I generally allow myself to think that they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because their fans plan Jack Skellington <laughs> <laughs> themed weddings. <laughs> and they look really lame. He had a purple suit. Yeah. What? <laughs> Was he yeah. fat? Pinstripes? Was he well, overweight? No, it's weird because he, he, okay, he bought two gallons of milk a week and probably about like 24 donuts a week and would just like have his gallon of milk and eat like four donuts at a time. But then was so good at dropping weight, it was crazy. It was just a weird. He was dude. good at dropping weight. Yeah, because he was like a wrestler <laughs> he went to in the high school, oh. yeah. and so he would like 
have binge weeks and then drop weight. This guy sounds really unhealthy. He's, he made a, he was also <laughs> making a throne out of wine corks and was having a hard time going through so much wine. <laughs> oh, this guy's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Who's marrying him? I think, I think she called it off actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Stuart's passion for racing. <laughs> Stuart's passion for racing may only be eclipsed by his passion for making the world a better place. Both of his children suffer from dyslexia, but fortunately, science had a name for the disorder by the time that they were in school. However, it wasn't until Jackie was given a test after a parent-teacher conference that the legend finally received his own diagnosis. At long last, the 41-year-old had an explanation for his ultimate insecurity, saying... It was like someone extended an atom to a drowning man. Oh. It was like someone extended a drowning man to an atom. Oops. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> Jackie became a fierce advocate for special needs education, saying, Some people still don't see the potential in learning disabled students. For decades, he's spoken at fundraisers and events around the world in an effort to shield youngsters from the ignorance he endured as a child. Today, the 83-year-old Stuart is the president of Dyslexia Scotland, which is a global leader in raising awareness and teacher training. Hmm. I mean, I make fun of it, but it's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely, definitely. That's a good thing. Yes. <laughs> no one's going to debate you on that. <laughs> Am I a bully? Am I a Jezebel? In addition to his advocacy for the dyslexic, Jackie is a voice for those suffering from dementia. Oh, shit. Unfortunately, his wife Helen was diagnosed with dementia in 2014, oh, and Jackie has been open about how difficult it's been to see his childhood sweetheart suffer. Dude, I can't imagine. It's a terrible disease. Dude, like my uh, grandma had. Yeah, being together for 60 years and then seeing someone kind of slip away from what they were. Yeah, and like not recognize It's you. heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But in classic Jackie fashion, he's turned his personal pain into a global cause. Just this past June in Edinburgh, his new documentary, Stuart, premiered. And the proceeds from the screening went to Jackie's charity, Race Against Dementia. Or RAD. Oh, that's what Radwood's about. Yeah, that's what Radwood's about. Which supports funding and dementia research around the world. I didn't have to read about the death, but I did have to read about heartbreak. Yeah. It's been nearly 50 years since Jackie Stewart retired from F1 competition, yet he still ranks as one of the most successful champions in racing history. Outside of the driver's seat, his singular knowledge of the sport and endless charisma changed the way the world understood racing, while his business acumen helped F1 gain recognition as an exciting sport across the globe. Acumon. Acumon. Jackie's passionate crusade to improve the safety of both drivers and fans has saved countless lives over the decades, and his incredible humanitarian work as a voice for the disabled has led to numerous accolades, included being honored as a Knight of the Realm in 2001. There's never been another Jackie Stewart, and there likely never will be. I feel like Jackie Stewart's one of the only people I could eat. (laughs) I bet he's all stringy. Well, with that, (laughs) we have got some fan mail. Hey, fellers, first of all, love the show. I literally tell everyone about I know about it. I'm a huge fan of all things Donut Media. Keep doing what y'all are doing. Secondly, Episode 143 reminded me that I don't understand 
how we as Americans ever allowed John Mellencamp to actually <laughs> utter the phrase, sucking on chili dogs. Sucking on chili dogs. And it's always bothered me. Like this dude was in a studio somewhere with several <laughs> colleagues recording this otherwise pretty good song, and not one of them said, hey, you know what, Coog? That's a super weird thing to say. <laughs> Either way, it helped inspire this great video. I hope you all get a kick out of it, too. Stay gassy, my dudes, from Caleb in Kansas City Mo. Dude, Caleb sounds tight. Dude, Caleb's tight as fuck, dude. Shouts to Caleb, yeah. dude. Suck it on, chillos. <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy named Tom McGovern. Yeah, we get the point. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to hit us up, uh, that was a great listener email. If you want to hit us up with some of that nature, get in contact with us at pastgas at donutmedia.com. We'd love to read your mail on the show. Guys, follow my co-hosts on all social media at James Pumphrey, at Joe G. Weber, and me, Nolan J. Sykes. Thanks to our writer this week, Luke Klompin, and our producers, Christina Felski and Gavin Kinzel. I've never seen this man before in my life. <laughs> Goodbye. Give me back my son! Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.